0: The people that you spend the most time with trying to help them to change are the ones that will turn on you quicker than anyone else. Not every person that you try to serve in the area of discipleship will react that way, but a few of them will not be responsive to change, and they may retaliate against you and your efforts to help them What started with the best intentions can devolve into an acrimonious parting. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Rick Thomas. You're listening to Your Daily Drive. You can probably figure out the title of this podcast already. It is, People You Love The Most Can Hurt You Quicker Than Anyone Else. This is something that we all experience because Christians love people. And because we love people, we find ourselves in their lives wanting to help them. Some of those people we are married to, some of them are children, some are extended relatives, parents and in-laws, people in our small group, our local church, at work, etc. There are people that we love, we invest in their lives, we want to help them to change and some of those people will turn on you quicker than anyone else. If you want to read this podcast, you're welcome to do that. Go to our website, rickthomas.net. Look for that title, and you can find it, you can read it, you can share it, you can discuss it with, with anyone that you wish, and I hope that you will. If you want to talk to me about this, one lady just wrote in, she was asking a question about another matter and she said i've been i've been planning to contact your ministry for a long time now and i just decided that i'm going to do it before i do anything else that she wanted to ask a question and some other folks have already done that today as well which is what we do virtually every day of our lives we want to interact with you we are an on the ground ministry up in people's lives. And because of that, there are some people who retaliate toward us as well. In fact, I, I got an email just last night. It was a hateful email from an individual that I do not know. I've never met in my life. He lives on the other side of the country from me, but he has had some horrible things that have happened to him. Had nothing to do with us, but he just sent a very mean-spirited email to us, and that happens. But if you put yourself in the position of wanting to help people, you will find that some people will not, they'll not be as warm and fuzzy about your help as they should be. I remember back in the 90s, the Lord brought a married couple to Rick and Lucia, to my wife, to myself for counseling, did not know them But we got to know them. Their marriage and their individual lives were falling apart. In the succeeding years, we have worked with them on many marriage and family problems. Eventually, we became friends. And I say that, I've said that to many people, that if this counseling really goes well, if it goes well, we're going to become friends, because that's where counseling should go with the people that you meet with. You move past these invisible barriers of counselor, counselor Lee, and you become friends. You remember what Jesus said, I call you my friends now. And once you work through the difficulties in a person's life, there's no reason for you not to become friends. And this couple, we became friends. In fact, our friendship grew to such a depth that Lucia and I prayed about it. And we asked them if they would take our children, should we die prematurely? That's what we have set up in our will. Now our children are old enough, and so that's no longer in effect. But when they were younger, we we wanted to make sure that our will was written in such a way that the right people would take care of our children. Well, it was our counselees, former counselees. They accepted. Yes, they were counselees, a Christian brother and sister who needed help from someone someone else. Our friendship continued to grow to where we were willing to entrust to them with the most precious of our possessions, our own children. And I have many other stories of grateful people who understood the process of counseling and were appreciative of my role in their lives. I had one lady write me just a few years ago on Facebook and she said a similar thing. She apologized uh, for the counseling uh, the counseling sessions that I did with her and her husband, but she told me she said that I was actually listening, but I was just unwilling to apply. Now here we are, years later, and and I I wanted to apply those things to my life, and God is doing some good things in my life. In my life, you can become fantastic friends with people that you help in counseling discipleship. But then there are others whom I've tried to help who have been just downright nasty to me. Their attitudes and actions have been snarky, sarcastic, unkind, uncharitable, accusatory, judgmental, mean-spirited, and hateful. Their reactions are part of the liability of giving yourself to people in situational difficulties. Ironically, and and I've thought this many times, that I, I don't want anything from them. It's not like I I want to do harm to them. It's not like I want them to have a, a bad day, bad week, bad life. I don't want anything from them along those lines. My singular goal is to help them to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. My prayer for every person that I meet is to help them to find Christ, the only person who can ultimately change them or to experience a deeper and more transformative relationship with him. That's my motive, And while I do not minister with every person perfectly or according to their preferences, I don't have, I honestly don't have any sinister, evil, or ulterior motives for them. I'm not purposely boogie trapping their lives for them to continue in the dysfunction that they are living. I am for them as much as any human can be for anyone. But even with that said, some people will turn on you and do whatever they feel justified to do to hurt you. Some people are mean-spirited and will always be mean unless God changes their hearts. Now you have to deal with this. If if you if God has regenerated you, you're born again. You love God, you love his word, you love people. You're trying to imitate the two greatest commandments, to love God and others more than yourself. If that's who you are and that's who you should be, if you name the name of Christ, then you have to deal with this tension because once you step into somebody's life to try to help them, knowing that you're going to do it imperfectly, there is a possibility that they will not just reject Christ, but they will reject you. You see, these people do not want Christ. Not at this moment, they don't. They aim to maintain their evil reputation while per- preserving their selfish image, whatever that may look like in the culture, in their world. They are willing to do this even if it means the destruction of those around them. And that's how it goes with people who don't want to change. If you try to help a person who is unbroken Before God, and that's what we're talking about, it's a lack of brokenness. That individual will take the things that you intend to help and turn them around and use them against you. There are hundreds of pastors and disciples and counselors and and Christians, other Christians. They read my articles every day and they can fully attest to what I am saying. We get those emails all the time humble helpers who try to serve other people they do not drum up ways to hurt those needy folks that's the irony i was talking about it's like it's like i don't have an ulterior motive here i want to help you R- realizing that i'm an imperfect helper i will not do it perfectly but i do want to help you paul the apostle is a classic example of what i am saying here his affection for the corinthians was profound. This man loved them. He gave thanks to God always for them. He wanted them to be enriched in every way. But this church was one of the many that he cared for as he sought to bring them to full affection for Jesus. And unfortunately, some of the people in the Corinthian church did not want his help. They had no intention of excuse me of listening to his counsel their desire was more about protecting their image and their reputation than being open to the truths of the gospel fortunately their sinful reactions did not deter Paul and this is what I was saying to you earlier. You've got to come to terms with this. You don't want to be deterred. I realize some of you listen to this. You're in an abusive situations and, and you're hearing this as though I'm telling you to go into the fray with an abusive person. No, I'm not saying that. I am not saying that at all. I am saying that you do have to, you have to wrestle with this tension of sinful reactions towards you and respond appropriately to them, biblically appropriately Sometimes it might not mean that you have this kind of gospel aggression where you are confronting physically with them. And so maybe that's not the case with you, but you want to make sure that their sinful reactions, whatever they are, they do not deter you. You want a certain kind of gospel aggression toward the unique individual that is in front of you, and if you don't understand or or if you have questions about what that would look like in your context, in your relationships, then please write us, and we can be and we can talk through the specificity of your uh, situation. But gospel-centered love could not do anything but cause conflict. If you're going to love people. It will cause conflict. The other option is to give them everything that they want exactly how they want it. As you read Paul, and I would love for you to take the time to read First Corinthians, the first nine verses of First Corinthians, the first book, chapter one, and I would love for you to hear Paul's love for them, but also perceive how that love could not avoid conflict. Whenever love runs into self-centered stubbornness, the self-centered person inevitably will go into rants about how the helper was sinful in attitude and actions. Do you hear? Do you see the confrontation here? When love runs into self-centered stubbornness, yes, that's a combustible situation but if you are a persistent lover of others, you're going to experience this. Now, how you respond to it in the unique situation, maybe you need some help with, and so that's why I appeal to you to write and ask about your unique situation. People will accuse you of things that aren't true, and if you don't get that help, if you don't have those people surrounding you speaking truth into your life, you can become one of those double-minded people where you're responding to God's truth, but now you're also being affected by what they are saying. their untruth, and you're oscillating between the two. Pastors, disciples, counselors, they're not the only ones who receive this kind of harsh treatment. I would say that it happens more in marriages than in any other context in the world, Hate speech happens in small group settings. It happens in the family. It happens virtually everywhere. It can can occur in any context where you're trying to help someone who is drifting from the Lord. That is that conflict again. Love runs into self-centered stubbornness. And if they are drifting from the Lord and you love the Lord, there's gonna be contact, uh, uh, there's gonna be conflict. And so the real question is, how do you help these drifters? In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, this is the passage that you would be familiar with about Paul having the thorn in the flesh, but not that section, that's verses 1 through 10, but the back half of that uh, chapter, 11 through 21, it's an excellent test case on this idea of helping drifters. We can learn a lot of how to help people as we study 2 Corinthians 12, 11 through 21. And perhaps it will help us to learn how to respond to people who are antagonistic to us, that maybe God could use us to help them, to love them back to Jesus. Let me reiterate what I said earlier. No helper helps perfectly in every instance. And so I want to release you, if your motive, if your desire is to help someone, it's a good motive, I want to release you from over-introspection. You see, we're all sinful, even on our best days. No person is entirely sanctified, not even loving Christians. This truth is by no means a justification for someone to help a person imperfectly. It is merely a truth claim about the Bible. The truth is, any person could pick you apart. If they look long enough at your care for them, you spend a couple of hours with me and and you'll be able to find my flaws. It's not that hard. You don't have to be that bright. I'm not happy about this. I'm not making excuses about this, but I am a biblical realist. I'm a saint who still sins on occasion. In a counseling or discipleship context, it won't take long to find the flaws of your helper, the person who is sincerely trying to help you. Now, it might take longer to find the flaws of those within your superficial relationships. But discipleship, the way I'm talking about here, is not shallow relationship building. And Paul was not one to lollygag around. He was a gospel businessman. And applying the gospel to the souls of people was his business. You need a calling card like that. I'm a gospel business person. Applying the gospel is my business. There is no way Paul could avoid conflict. Anybody who seeks to delve into the heart of another person should expect at least three possibilities. Here they are. Number one you will imperfectly help the person because you are imperfect. Number two, if the one you're helping is not responsive to the gospel, he will find your imperfections. Number three, if the one you're helping is responsive to the gospel, he or she will be able to overlook your imperfections because they're more interested in changing than dialing in on your mistakes. The bottom line for some of the people in Corinth was that they turned on Paul because they had ulterior motives. They did not want what he wanted, which was a gospel-centered transformation. A few Christians were challenging to care for and felt no guilt about giving Paul a piece of their minds. If you try to help any challenging person here is a piece of vital, vital information that you must know. God-centered strength for this kind of caring will not come from personal ability, but your inherent weaknesses. And it's important for you to understand this. While your gifts, whatever they may be, can persuade some people, the real spiritual impact you desire to have on others is not transformative. And there will be no heavenly fruit bearing just by using your natural gifts, no matter what your skills may be. This truth about your inability and your weakness is one of the reasons people burn out of the ministry so quickly. It is also one reason there are so many divorces and why some folks refuse to get involved in the lives of complicated people because they're working from their strengths and their strengths will exhaust eventually. You cannot accomplish the heavy spiritual lifting that requires another person to change with human wisdom or human strength. It was Paul's weakness that provided the key to the victories that he saw in the lives of others. You see, just before this passage that I introduced to you a few moments ago, 2 Corinthians 12, 11 through 21, the section after the thorn in the flesh part, we see how Paul fully grasped his weakness Paul learned that he could never pull off what he needed to do unless God entirely broke him and fully empowered him for the task ahead. The passage that I'm that this podcast is coming from is 2 Corinthians 12, 11 through 21. But the verse right in front of that, verse number 10, 2 Corinthians 12, 10, it says this, "'For the sake of Christ, then.'" I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, listen to it, calamities, for when I am weak, then I am strong. If you're going to help any person, this is vital information that you must know. God-centered strength for this kind of caring will not come from personal ability, but your inherent weaknesses. This kind of brokenness created the character Paul needed to be on the Lord's redemptive team of disciples. If you don't have this attitude of brokenness, your usefulness in lives of exhausting people will run into limitations. I want to share with you three character qualities that you need if you desire to help someone who needs to change. These Things are what we see Paul modeling for us as he tried to help the Corinthians to love God. In 2 Corinthians twelve fourteen, Paul talked about, I seek not what is yours, but I seek you. We see Paul had persevering patience. In verse 15, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Paul had selfless love. In 2 Corinthians 12, 19 through 21, I will do what I need to do to help you. Paul had courageous love. These are three character qualities that Paul helped, that Paul had, that that God used to transform the people that he was caring for. Persevering patience, selfless love, and courageous love. Let's take the first one, persevering patience. Paul was not inferior to anyone in the Corinthian church, even though he knew he was nothing. At the foot of the cross, we all stand on equal ground. Nobody is better than anyone else. Paul did not have a better than, greater than attitude toward these mean-spirited people. That's how you have persevering patience. You lose your patience with someone when you elevate yourself above them one of the most remarkable character traits of a discipler is patience it takes a lot of patience to deal with folks who do not have the vision or desires that you have for the change process when you are working with someone who is stuck between doing right and doing wrong you need to stick with them as long as they will let you if you're not a broken person if you're an elevated person. If you're not filled with the patience of Christ, you will fail. You will look down on them and their their unwillingness, their stubbornness, their stuckness, and you'll become impatient with them. Your challenging friend is wrestling with Christ, not with you. It may feel as though he is fighting with you, but he is not. He is in a war with God and you happen to be you happen to be in that war zone with them. All Paul received from the Corinthians was suspicion and meanness. Somehow these Corinthians turned Paul's love for them to deceit and unkindness. They accused him, which can happen when you try to help people. Mean people will turn your words and actions and twist them to make you look bad. And if you're not careful, it will cut you to the quick. Any follower of Jesus who wants to help others will experience the challenges of iron, sharpening iron. You need persevering patience, and the way that you have that is by truly understanding that the ground is level at the cross. You are not better than them, and if you become impatient, you will elevate yourself above them and then respond down to them in anger. Key number one, do you have persevering patience? Number two, are you a selfish, selfless lover? Paul could not help but take what they were accusing him of personally. He was under an attack, and the temptation was to respond self-righteously. I understand this temptation, to elevate yourself above them, to look down on them, not only to be impatient with them but to judge them self-righteously, the temptation to re- react in anger when people lash out in anger towards you is natural, which is what I was saying earlier. You, you can't do this under your natural abilities and gifts and skill sets. You have to be a broken person where work, work God's power is working through your weakness. And so along with your persevering patience, you will need selfless love for difficult individuals. Doesn't selfless love get to the heart of the gospel? Do you remember? None of us were happy with God. We despised and rejected him and hid, as it were, our faces from him, Isaiah 53. But he came with persevering patience and selfless love. If the gospel has not broken you down, you will not be able to export the gospel to a gospel rejecter. A part of this brokenness means that that you see yourself as equal to the person you're trying to help and only the grace of God in your life makes you different. Without recognizing your helplessness apart from God's grace, your selfless love will turn selfish and retaliatory. We see that Paul had persevering patience, do you? We see that he was a selfless lover, are you? And then finally, are you a courageous lover? Sometimes it's necessary to address anti-gospel living, even if it calls you to do difficult things. This takes courage. For some folks, sin is is not a big deal anymore. Some Christians believe they can do and say whatever they want to do and say and not be held accountable. This attitude was not acceptable in the Corinthian church, at least not for Paul. It should not be admissible in our church today. Paul loved people enduringly. He had persevering patience and he had selfless love, but he would not hesitate to step in and put an end to their sin. He was a courageous lover. Paul wanted them to know that, that Jesus was in their midst and he was doing his work and he would not stop, no matter how difficult the trudging, when you're trying to help someone who is drifting from God You cannot let them continue without doing something. Now, the something may be problematic for you as you think about that. As I was saying earlier, every situation is different. You don't respond the same way to every situation where you just plunge in to the situation. That may not be courageous love. It may not be the kind of courageous love that you need. Doing something does not always look the same for every person, every context, every relationship. You are not the savior, but you are his servant. You are called to stand in the gap between right and wrong, pulling drifters toward Jesus. Your goal, like Paul's, is for God to use you to help them embrace the gospel and eventually live by it. Paul would not bend. No matter how hateful the people acted, the gospel properly weakened him so that he could be a powerful message, messenger of it to the people who needed to hear it the most, even if they hated him for it. The title of this podcast is People You Love the Most Can Hurt You Quicker Than Anyone Else. The people that you invest the time in, the people that you spend more time praying over, crying over, being fearful of, the people that you invest the most time in will be the ones that will hurt you quicker and more deeply than others. And we must recognize this, and this is what Paul experienced when he was engaging this mean-spirited, adversarial, angry Corinthian church I'll finish this podcast with a few questions for you to, to reflect upon, and I trust that you will share this with someone else that you can talk to about this, especially if you have a, a an annoying or troubling relationship. Now, if you do not have an annoying or troubling relationship, then there is something wrong with your Christianity. The gospel is always going in a different direction of this world And if you're penetrating the world with the gospel, which could be your marriage, could be your family, could be your parents, could be your close friends, but if you are living a Christ-centered life, you have conflict, you have annoying people in your life. And so this podcast and this article will be helpful for you that you share this with others. So here's question number one. Do you have persevering patience with the difficult people in your life? Paul had persevering patience. Number two, are you ready to go as far as your difficult person will let you go with them? Now, this is a wisdom issue, and I do understand that. You will need wisdom. Some of you will need a lot of carefulness as you meditate upon this podcast, and maybe you need—this is where you— really need to talk to somebody about it. But do you have persevering patience? Do Are you ready to go as far as your difficult person will let you go? Are you willing, number three, are you willing to say hard things knowing that that person may reject or even accuse you? Number four, if God has brought someone into your life, will you spin and be spent for them? Now, if you answered yes to my four questions here, What strategies do you have to help that person turn to Christ? Let us help you. We're here for you. Go to rickthomas.net. Jump on our free community forums. Let's talk about this or maybe something else. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net.